I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Hello and welcome to the latest Spool.ie podcast. Me, Nigel Wheatley, and him, Pork McGill. Hello. So a couple of days, we've had Oscar nominations in the can. You're off to America in a few days. It's been about six weeks since we talked about films. We've seen probably the guts of about 30 between us at this point. So lots to talk about. Um, we're kind of on that, on that verge as well, where in many ways, like it's probably the best range of films in cinema right now. If someone's looking for something decent. Yeah, January is always a very yeah, solid month. And still a few to come. Um, and February, February is a graveyard. Month. It's a graveyard, and we've got a slightly lackluster uh, Audi Dublin, oh Virgin Dublin International Film Festival lineup right now. But hopefully, there's a few gems in that. Anyway, we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about the Oscars in a bit more depth in another podcast. But we're just going to recap uh, whatever is in cinema. Kicking off with Green Book. So um, we got to see this a couple of days ago at a preview screening. It is directed by Peter Farrelly, who. As everyone now knows, this is the film directed by one half of the team who uh, directed and produced some of the 1990s biggest sort of naughty I didn't comedy. That until, like you kept saying when we were watching, be like, it's Peter Farley. And I was like, okay. And then I was like driving home and he means like, oh, the Farley brothers. Yeah. Oh, mm. So Dumb and Dumber and something about Mary uh, being probably their two biggest hits. Um, anyway, Green Book is the story of an kind of an Italian-American kind of bruiser, bouncer man who works in social clubs. Uh, the club is closing down for the winter. It's the late... Oh gosh, what Cup year is it? Oh, sorry. What year is the film set? Uh, 1960? 60s. I feel like we saw posters for things like Pete Seeger and Bob Dylan. I'm going to say it's about 1963, 64. Um, anyway, so Viggo Mortensen plays... Um, plays the bouncer bruisery guy and then uh, Mahershala Ali is a musician Dr. Don Shirley who's this sort of eccentric we learn a little bit more about him through the course of the film it's a bit of a tragic character in a lot of ways uh, but he's a piano player who uh, was told not to play classical music and to focus on popular music because that's the best thing kind of for a black man so this is an era of American history that we've seen a lot on screen uh, racism is prevalent throughout anywhere outside of the coastal cities and probably in the coastal mm. cities to a certain extent but um, New York and LA have probably learned to and I wasn't really aware it. of the concept of the Green Book yeah so this is a Green Book is a motoring guide for um, people uh, black people Negroes as, a, as it was called a motoring guide for Negroes to travel across and through the US knowing where to eat to drink where to stay to party and all that and uh yeah so he's the he's the chauffeur the driver and then he's really kind uh, of like a bodyguard because he realizes that he's not going to be welcome in certain areas and then there's a couple of instances where he the doctor kind of goes out because he does have a bit of a drinking problem and goes out for a drink ends up in the wrong bar and indulges in his worst kind of things yeah yeah he's and he's alone in life and we don't know much about his story so he needs a bit of a pep talk um there's we're going to maybe take a clip of the pair of them because they form sort of this unlikely friendship at the start of the film. Uh, Viggo Mortensen's Tony Lip. Uh, can you remember his real name? He has some funny name, Vallelonga or Anthony oh, Vallelonga or whatever. That could be it, but yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he's basically racist because some black guy, uh, two black guys were in painting his house and his wife, you know, accommodated them very friendly, given them a glass of water. He takes the glasses, puts them in the bin. It's like, it's very, uh, the film is quite literal and very basic in how it kind of depicts that sort of stuff. But we'll just see how the pair of them. Here's the dynamic. This is uh, Dr. Don helping Tony write a letter home to his wife from the road. Tell me what you're trying to say. I don't know. You know, 
I miss her. Didn't say that. But do it in a manner that no one else has ever done it before. Something like, uh, put this down. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I've ever done. Nothing matters to me but you. And every day I'm alive, I'm aware of this. I loved you the day I met you. I love you today. And I will love you the rest of my life. Um, so that was it. That's the love story between the pair of them. So yeah. it's kind of charming. Um, there's a hell of a lot wrong with the film. It's really, if I was living in 2019 black America as a black person, I'd probably hate this film. And that's why there's been a bit of a backlash against it. But Yeah, there is quite a backlash because it's kind of seen as that Vigo is the main character. He's got the main Oscar nod. But I think he goes on the biggest learning thing in it. Now, it's quite cliched in certain things. You yeah, know, with the like, chicken, the fried yeah, chicken. And he turns quite quickly to just be, uh, suddenly he's like a great all-around guy. Yeah. But then, to me, you kind of have to, do you have a film that's incredibly bleak and horrible and hard to watch and more realistic and true to life, which is only going to be seen by... 100 people or do you have a more accessible and has very you know strong points that it's trying to make and that's easily accept accessible to a wider audience so is that better because it's going to be seen by more people you know so I, 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 i'm gonna argue yes because we actually both really like this film yeah uh, i thought it was it's very funny there was a great relationship between the two main characters um and it is kind of it feels quite old-fashioned like if this yeah. film came out in maybe 20 years ago it would have been heralded as an absolute, absolute mm. stone cold classic, um, because it's so funny, so charming, yeah. so likable. Teaches you a little bit about everything that was wrong with that area, uh, era of. American I think what's really but. kind of funny is that it's going to go up against Black Handsman from Spike Lee, and the film, in some weird ways, is almost like a reverse Driving Miss Daisy, which is what Spike Lee lost to, uh, for. Yeah, do the right thing. There's been some good. There was an article I read last week about the concept how America, popular America, and old old style America finds it easier to deal with black and white interracial friendships if employment is involved. So it just referenced uh, the the Driving Miss Daisy, but also then the Upside, the film that is that the one you saw this month, mm-hmm. um, and how which isn't on our Kevin list. Harris. I haven't seen it, but also yeah. was it good? I thought, again, it was very, it's a good uplifting yeah. January film. So this apparently is easy for us, yeah. like slightly closed off man. white people to, to absorb a story of an interracial friendship if employment is involved and like someone is paying someone to be with them in effect, whether that's for friendship or whatever. So I mean, it was a great article. You can find it um, online. But so yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to, re- I just think Green Box is the kind of film that I'd recommend to loads of people. Like not yeah, I think it's cinephiles, but like my parents and yeah. It's definitely a big crowd pleaser, I think. And we got to see so many laughs. Yeah, with a big full cinema and like massive kind of belly laughs from lots of people. Uh, So it's really warm film. And I don't know, like, look, the Oscars are not the the gold standard to hold up for like what is actually the best film. It's kind of a nonsense award. Like, what does that even mean? So I think if you're getting your story out to a wide audience, it's kind of. It's, cool. it's to be lauded so you're sold another film in the mix uh, for awards which I don't think it got the best picture nomination 
but uh, it has gotten a couple of noms for supporting actor and director Barry Jenkins, I think. But yep. that's if Beale Street could talk. So you have a good uh, bit of a relationship with this film because you read the Yeah, book. I read the How's book uh, kind of two days. I knew the film was coming out. And so I was like, look, I'll get the book, read it. Uh, it's by uh, James Baldwin, who there was a documentary on maybe not last year, but the year before, which is really good and well worth checking out. It gives a good background on the author. What's it called? Uh, James Baldwin. No. No, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. Ah, uh, you don't even yeah. know. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I am not your Negro. Oh, so it's very. Yes. It's like spo- yeah. like spoken word poetry, beast kind of. It's very well known. Really good. But uh, again, not our not our story. So it's educational for us as well yeah. as being. Uh, so if Beale Street could talk, kind of is around basically two main characters: uh, Tish, who's played by Kiki Lane, and Fanny, who's played by Stephen James. And the film is kind of told, uh, it jumps from forwards and back in time around their story. And it kind of has follows. Has kind of two timelines, yeah. doesn't it? And it, and it follows the same kind of format as the novel. Uh, Tish is the narrator of the novel. And it works really well in the book. Don't know if it works too well in this. I'm not a big fan of heavy narration in films. Um, so yeah, uh, Fanny is in jail. We find this out quite quickly. And you kind of find out what happened later on as the film goes on. And the opening scene is Tish telling Fanny that she's pregnant and he's the father. So it's kind of the book is quite condensed, as is the film, in that it's all around this and how they're going to cope with this new life coming into the world because he's in jail. And, and this they're... is 1970s Harlem, which was kind of intolerant, but also black communities had learned to kind of exist. Yeah. Very uh, like just independently and like really successfully almost. Yeah. And they. Uh, kind of are trying to get him out of jail his family his immediate family have no real time for him and they don't think too much of tish and her family um best highlighted in that scene where they announce the pregnancy to her family and her mother the dad takes it well but the mother is sort of a bible basher almost mm. it's very 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 funny yeah so kind of where the film falls down for me kind of in comparison to the book is it doesn't really capture the romance and the intensity of the relationship between the two main characters it's kind of quite stylized uh new york at that time was kind of a kip and to me it's very like it has this barry jenkins kind of swooping camera shots and like it's, it's very all incredibly like, well lit and yeah. it's almost like well they're very beautiful as well yeah like stunningly beautiful you fall in love with both him and her and yeah as they fall in love but i don't think and them. i think as well the film's a bit sanitized like the descriptions a novel is obviously going to go into a lot more detail, so I kind of think it loses some of that in translation. The ending also is a bit of a cop-out and happy ever after, although you and a couple other people who went to see it were like, oh, it was a pretty bleak. And I was like, that was kind of a happy version of the ending in relation to the book. Um, the music, I think, is fantastic and it's really nice uh, kind of lifting. Yes, yeah, I can't remember the composer's name, but same uh, composer, cinematographer hmm. and everything as Moonlight, so... Same kind of nice, swooshy yeah. kind of feel. So it's kind of an interesting comparison. The two films coming out, Green Book and If Beale Street Could Talk, at the same time. But to me, Green Book was way more enjoyable. And go read the novel of If Beale Street instead of seeing the film. Which goes against the critical res- re- response in America. So mm. uh, what do we know? Yeah. We're the paddies. Just as a side note, we're going to talk about Netflix in a minute. There's a really good show on Netflix that kind of ties the two of these films, I think, quite well together. It's called Trigger Words with Killer Mike. Uh, it's really interesting. It's all about 
black culture and black lives in America at the moment. It's really funny and it kind of it mentions the Green Book. I'd never heard about the Green Book, then heard about it twice in the space of a week. What's so, called Trigger? Trigger Words with Killer Mike. You'll find it on Netflix. Very good. Uh, cool. So another one that's getting the in the talk for the Owl Awards that's in cinema now as of last week. Um, which I'm yet to see and I'm kind of trying to work out I feel I've already seen this film because we saw I saw Oliver Stone's W from 11 years ago it's Vice so yeah it kind of it kind, you kind of heard about the hype before you kind of started seeing the trailers and stuff because again it was one of these performance led films yeah. where you're like oh Christian Dick Cheney Bale is Dick yeah. Cheney he's gone under massive prosthesis and he put on some weight in different bits and pieces and we have Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney, big cast, Steve Carell as Don Rumfeld, and then as you mentioned, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. So it's kind of from the writer-director Adam McKay, who gave us the big short. And Anchorman and all that world. But yeah, of more serious drama. Yeah, yeah a couple of years ago. So it kind of follows the same tone as the big short. It's not as high energy and glitzy, because I think at its core it's much more depressing serious take especially in the last half or the last act um also kind of funnily uh, tyler perry plays colin powell which kind of thought was funny he's kind of hated in america i think among kind of comedians because he's basically the black mrs brown from what i can yeah maintain gives a pretty solid performance in this. Med- medea i think so. yeah he's not too uh in it too long in this um yeah again it's not as good as the big short it's very similar in tone kind of mad asides at time there's a focus group if you do go see it there's an ending which i loved uh, which would kind of bring back memories of um Patton. and then a couple of minutes later the credits roll and then there's another ending now you literally like 60 seconds so if you do go see it do stay do the lights come up not sure um it ah, depends what terrible what establishment cinema? you're yeah, in yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully hopefully they have it timeline like in the timeline where they're like don't turn the lights on yeah so um, what, are you, Bale, what are you giving it out of five? I'd give it like three and a half. Christian Bale is a great performance. It's kind of, again, there's lots of like tweaks where there's a whole tone of one of his daughters uh, is a lesbian. So he kind of, there's lots of times where it's, he's made out to be a good guy. And you're like, oh, why are they kind of showing this? But then it's for this ultimate massive betrayal later on. And Adam McKay is really making him out to be absolute evil incarnate and if you kind of go along with everything you're like oh my god you're actually a monster so we have a wee clip here of um christian beale talking to sam rockwell as george bush i sense that uh, you're a kinetic leader you make decisions based on instinct i am people i said that yeah yeah very different very different from uh from your father in that regard now Maybe I can uh, handle some of the more mundane jobs, overseeing uh, bureaucracy, managing military, uh, energy, uh, foreign policy. Yeah, so great kind of standout moments. Doesn't really come together. It's a bit too mad at times and doesn't really gel 100%. One one for the Cine World Unlimited card on a Saturday yeah. afternoon in these winter and days. i don't even know if it's going to pick up any awards i i don't think he, christian bale i think remy malik is going to I think push they're in out. a yeah they're in a sort of 50 50 for the actor at the minute but yeah sam rockwell getting the supporting actor as well people were a bit angry that he'd pushed out a few other different people because he's not in it very much but i think america loves their political uh things so what you gonna do 
another one then that's gotten a lot of column inches so to speak uh, the other one that is probably seen by more people than anyone and then if you add up the viewership for every single other film on this is the fire documentary which is a netflix documentary uh, that is available now um from the director chris smith about a i was gonna say a fictitious festival it did uh, this is a, a sort of music and lifestyle festival that was meant to happen was it early 2017 mm. and in the bahamas on an island that was uh, purportedly owned by pablo escobar the whole thing was launched it's like Lakes festival you know it was, a it version, was on an island in the bahamas yeah so it was a version like it was cooked up by this guy, Billy McFarlane, who I like to think is related to Seth McFarlane, except it's spelled differently. Oh, okay. Um, and he looks like he could be related to yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. And so, anyway, he's this sort of tech entrepreneur who invented this metal credit card. It seems to be his 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 main selling point. Um, seems like an absolute spanner. <laughs> and then Ja Rule, the rapper, and then they basically bribed slash paid loads of social media influencers to post an orange tile as an announcement yeah they kind of worked with all these marketing companies the app i thought was pretty smart and it's like if you want to book ja rule or beyonce for your party you'll use this app you're like cool so how do we promote it we put on this massive festival yeah and like they sold out in like 10 minutes the entire thing crazy prices and then they realize oh it's actually a lot of work to put this on but like the thing that i couldn't get my head around is when he's like the whole thing falls apart right and then he's but everyone, basically most people get there yeah and they're yeah. but then your man is on bail and he starts a whole other scam <laughs> well he's selling tickets for stuff that he doesn't have it's like oh, whatever so i was like you're an absolute sociopath like you were yeah. just so he's in prison now it's yeah not he Billy. got six years spoiler yeah. so um there are two documents anyway they, look everyone is probably if you're into this world or interested in it you've probably heard of the documentary you've probably watched it because as we know with any of these things, these things that are just basically pushed down your throat when you load up Netflix, everyone watches them. So mm. um, it's very good, though. It's hard not to enjoy it. I don't really There's have the... any sympathy for anyone who went. No, 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 like... no, no, no. No, it's just pure entertaining for us. And no one was really hurt. Like there was That's no... what I was amazed, that nobody got attacked yeah. or hurt, especially when it went all like Lord of the Flies, which is like yeah. grab a tent. Yeah. Grab a mattress, someone weed on my tent. Um, so that's it. And then there's also a second documentary that a lot of people have watched, the two of them. Uh, we can't actually legally watch it in the UK or Ireland, so you'll have to travel to America, which you're doing this week. That's why we I'm can going. watch it on. <laughs> so you go. It's called Fire Fraud from Hulu. And uh, apparently, it's depending on the reviews, a lot of people are saying it's as good, All the not hipsters better. are saying it's better. Yeah, so I think it kind of goes a bit more insightful into why rather than the how and the what. It's more like why are millennials so susceptible to shite and that like they can just be be bought and sold on the concept of a of a thing and then how come when, like when someone posts a shit sandwich a picture of a styrofoam a sandwich yeah. in a styrofoam box how can that you know m- make it across to us across the ocean where we don't even live in this world anyway mm. so fire fraud watch it over there when you see it okay um then you haven't got to see Roma yet. Roma's the other Netflix one. So the amusing thing is Roma's the one that's probably going to win Best Picture, uh, but Fire won't win any awards, but will be seen by about a zillion times more. So Roma is fantastic. I loved it. You got to see it in the cinema. You were it's one not of the, the one week, people. Uh, the f- it's four or five days where it was in the cinema. We were at the uh, we we're there with the Me- Mexican Embassy, obviously. Um, why else would you be there? You know. Cool. So that was fun, and yeah, it's superb, but also so unsuited to watching on your couch at home or watching a bit of it on the phone on your break at work or whatever. So I could maybe watch it on the airplane on the way yeah, over to America. <laughs> it's how Alfonso Cuaron wanted it. So it's I how mean, David Lynch likes it to watch films. Yeah. So um 
yeah, what are you going to watch on the plane? I don't know. I've we'll probably... see what's, what's what they're peddling. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it. They're, they're the two Netflix ones to to, to watch right now. Um, something else that I saw that has been a bit divisive. I didn't know it was divisive, and then I just read a few bits after it, but just saw it in the last few days in the new-ish Stella in Ranala, which is the kind of backup Ranala. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the new one from the what's the group called? Press whatever that restaurant. Press up, press up. Yeah, the group that's sort of taking the, over the, entertainment. The restaurant, and, the cinema, no, not the film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the film is Beautiful Boy, and it was playing in that new cinema. And so you haven't been in the cinema. It's much smaller. It's got maybe twenty-seven I've seats. Been in the restaurant. Okay, so On it's got five floor, or yeah. six seats across, about six rows. It's about thirty seats, but charging the twenty quid. Still twenty bucks. Small though. little cinema. To me, it didn't really match IFI Screen Three, which is a very underrated cinema, oh. but same kind of size in terms of a room. But oh, then okay. They'll do their food and drink thing anyway. And um, we weren't there for the food and drink. We we're there to see uh, Beautiful Boy, which, um, so it's based on two different uh, autobiographies. autobiographies, which. Tweet kind of ruins suspense because you're oh, learning okay. about an addict i didn't know that like, though i wonder i didn't know either now i've probably ruined it anyway. so you've ruined it for the people who haven't no, seen but it's it well it's completely documented but like it says in the doesn't that say no. in all the press materials based on the sure, who reads based the on press? the be- well who based on the best-selling pair of memoirs from father and son david and nick chef beautiful bo- beautiful boy chronicles the heartbreaking and inspiring experience of survival relapse and recovery in a family coping with addiction over many years mm. saw a tweet somewhere uh, where someone said it was a nice compliment to a star is born which i think is kind of nice because similar sort of californian kind of yeah. you know big redwoods in your garden and all that kind of thing anyway uh, t- timothy not as, big as, not as big tunes in beautiful boy though no there's quite a bit of music and the nirvana is basically de- falling apart going into um falling into addiction and his relationship how it shows you Mm-hmm. Uh, as it was jumps from bit to bit and you're like oh my god oh, I see what's happened there like it doesn't there's no on screen there's no narrator telling Mad. he does the meth at one point yeah as the a... meth said grandma yeah. grandpa pork he does the main thing is he's probably too they're too tolerant and loving to the son and they let him maybe that's a bit mm. where it was a bit too one sided or something and I was like I could get any criticism that's being leveled at it that it's a bit you know it's really just taken from the dad's side of the story and not so much um, his real like, And, you know, it does get pretty, you know, full on. Like the bit when he's with his girlfriend and she kind of ODs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then he's just like, see, you know, like, I suppose it's not the grittiest portrayal. It's not like um, Requiem for a Dream or anything. But like, you know, no, it's but still you do, very you enjoyable. You do see him. Yeah, you're left very, I don't know. And if you have like a relationship with a parent-like figure or if you have a child or if there's any kind of family dynamic thing to just see how it's shown on screen and falls apart, I think is is yeah. good. And yeah, maybe some people would think it's not. We don't know how probably it's easier for the, the non-addicts looking in at the film to form an opinion on it rather than if someone has been through addiction or any kind of mental health problems because maybe it's not as relatable like it's you can tell it's leverage much more toward the dad's search for um why this is happening rather than just saying mm. um with with is it david as the son I think yeah. so yeah. yeah have you seen the wire doing meth no uh i ha- i famously have not watched the okay wire. Yeah. Uh, people who are fans of the wire uh keep your eyes peeled for bubbles he appears at one point in a brilliant role and i was like oh class 
But there you go. Very good. Cool. So the favorite was the big favorite <laughs> to win uh, lots of bookie stuff in the, all these awards kind of season. But uh, we for saw 10 it Oscars like a month ago. Maybe is it? Yeah, it was that kind of annoying thing of where it was in like. But I loved end it. End of years, and then yeah. we didn't did get to see it until January. It did come out. It's not a 2018 film, though, isn't it? No, it came out on here. the first, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, in case anyone hasn't worked out, we're going to talk about the favorite, the film from Yorgos Lanthimos. How was my pronunciation? Very good. Yeah. Uh, this. Yeah, you're. Tell us about it. Oh yeah, sorry. So the director we heard there. So Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne. Emma Stone plays Abigail, who's kind of like. Uh, servant girl who kind of comes across Queen Anne who's real yes yeah. the year is 1708 yeah and uh, Rachel Wise is Lady Sarah so and all three have gotten their awards uh, noms so. yeah Emma and Rachel will be fighting it out for best uh, supporting actress and Olivia Coleman will be fighting it out with Glenn Close for best actress yeah uh, I didn't see that Glenn Close film did you the, the wife? wife no I have an iTunes stream of it ready to go. I don't really have iTunes. Nice. <laughs> What's iTunes? Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing it. It, it was out, what, maybe September, October? It brilliant when I saw it the did, trailer the for trailer it. But just it seemed to fizzle away, so I will try to find it somewhere um, to watch because I would like to see because she's someone who's yeah. due an award, you know? Anyway, back to the favourite. Um, yeah, so Emma Stone is actually the cousin of Lady Sarah and she kind of weasels her way into the house and eventually then kind of becomes a confidant and... You know, Bessie mates. It's been out Olivia now for the month, so I think it's fine to say, like, basically, uh, lesbian love, lesbian fest. Uh, secret. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, it was that I didn't know that love triangle. Yeah, That's that was a spoiler term. From, like when I saw that, I was like, "All oh, right." didn't know that was in the film. I kind of had purposely ignored stuff about it, but then as soon as stuff was happening, not the obvious stuff, I was like, "All oh, right, they're actually better, closer than best friends." Mm. So, yes, Rachel Wise, uh, Lady Sarah, is kind of in a relationship with Queen Anne and then falls out of favour and Abigail kind of swoops in and takes over her role. And uh, it's brilliant. It's really funny, really weird, but like... Um, the right amount of weird. Yeah, Yorgos kind of has these kind of crazy bonkers films, but I think this is probably his most accessible film. Uh, it's definitely his probably, most mainstream. Yeah, there's no one like in the Colin Farrell films of... Killing of a Secretary. The Lobster and Killing of a Secretary, like... The delivery and the the mood is really oh, weird, but would put you dialogue, off. Yeah. Whereas here, you're like, ah, no, you'd nearly buy that they were that mad at the time. Maybe maybe that's a result of it being a period piece, yeah, and going back three hundred years. Um, it also has Nicholas Holt who plays uh, Harley. He's great. He's kind of like a conservative leader, yeah, who's kind of trying to use Abigail as a spy within the kind of court, yeah, and really really good strong women uh, leading thing. I loved the rabbits more than anything. So uh, Queen Anne has 17 rabbits representing her dead children. And she just delivers that line with deadpan. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I do remember. And I think it's known in history, yeah. obviously, that uh, the rabbits weren't one true, of her children had... yeah, lived to yeah. be 10 or 11. But pretty much she'd loads of stillborn ch- children dying in infancy, um, miscarriages and everything. So, yeah, 17. Mm. And I really want Olivia Coleman to win as well. I think she's fantastic. She does brilliant. I heard this nonsense. I films. totally want her to win, but someone just said, oh, you know, it's a, it's about time Olivia Coleman won. And you're like, well, not really. Like, she has only been doing dramatic work. Like, she was only in Peep Show until maybe eight, nine, ten years ago. We didn't, she, her work hadn't cut through. Yeah. But some American media thing saying, you know, everyone's supporting the, the fact that Olivia Coleman's time has come. You just feel like saying, not really like that you can say that about glenn close and she was in yeah a film uh edward where she had the nose playing the butler whatever that was called named after the man from a couple of years ago set in ireland Thatcher? doesn't matter 
No. Oh yeah. Charlie Ed- Nobs. Uh, Edward Nobs. Charlie Nobs. <laughs> yes. Something to do with Nobs. Nobs. It's Hobbs. not called Charlie Nobs. Something Hobbs. Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know. Have you seen the Hobbs Can't and Shaw? Wait pictures? for Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> with the Rock. Uh, and Jason Statham. Anyway, yeah. So kind of that's... Albert Nobs. I haven't googled that. That just came to me. So okay. it's called Albert Nobs. So I knew Nobs was in there. So there you are. Anyway, so this it's kind brilliant. of brilliant. I'm on the four and a half out of five for the favorite. Yeah, Love it. same. Everyone, if I, if you get to see this in cinema, please do. I the think I'll try shot, and see it again. Yeah, very. It's not showy direction, but like very just like you are in that house, and much like when you're in Phantom Thread. You really are like I feel like I'm in the time. An and amazing place. kind of music as well. Great classical pieces that yeah. kind of build it all together and so, really amp it up. Yeah. So that was it. So that's uh that's there. I think then and you were saying as a comparison We've got so Mary Queen, Queen Anne, of Scots. What's the family relationship between Mary Queen of Scots and Queen Anne? There might be some relationship between what Queen year Anne is this in fifteen sixty one. So between Queen Anne and Queen Elizabeth. I doubt there's much between uh Mary, Queen of Scots. Great great granny maybe. Possibly. Somebody did a tweet because Olivia Coleman is going to be playing the Queen in... The Crown. The Crown. So they did the relationship between Queen Anne and Queen Elizabeth oh, yeah. II. So great, 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 great aunt, granny, something like that. Something like that. So yeah, it stars Saoirse Ronan as Mary Stewart, or Queen of Scots, as she becomes known, and Margot Robbie as Queen Elizabeth I. So I was kind of surprised Margot Robbie didn't get any nods because she goes ugly in the film, which is kind of, you know, the classic, oh, give her an award there. Um, so yeah, Mary Queen of Scots comes back to Scotland, uh, to kind of get her rightful heir to the throne. And there's kind of like great division between England and Scotland because England are like, oh, Mary's Catholic. England are like, we don't want that. We can't. She has to, you know, secede to Elizabeth and not challenge for the throne to rule the two kind of realms or domains. The kind of, the story is quite liberal with the truth, I find, because Spoiler, Mary gets beheaded. What? Now, when she's beheaded, she's 44. But it's still 20-year-old looking Saoirse Ronan when she gets beheaded. Yeah. So you're very much told who to like in this whole kind of setup. And is it her? Yes. Yeah. Um. There's kind of a quite a plethora of supporting characters who are really good. And the film's really entertaining. It's looks a little boring. I haven't seen it. No, this it kinda either, it does draw you in and you know, it it's no to have another stereotypical Scottish film. It's no Braveheart, but it kind of pulls you in and keeps you going. Um it's quite hard to watch at times because it's just loads of different men trying to undermine and betray both the queens and kind of be like, these are all crap. Also, it's a bit too looking too much at today's times. And there's certain lines of dialogue where you're like, oh, I don't think this is relevant. what was really going on in 1561. Me too. Like, yeah, it's trying to be a bit too much of that. Um, but it's directed by Josie uh, Rourke, who's the director. And she's also the director of the Donmore Warehouse. So people kind of feel when they've seen it, it has this almost like play vibe. And it does kind What's of... What's the Donmore Warehouse? It's a production company. It oh, does all these... Um, kind of you know when the show uh, oh sorry stuff theatrical on. so she does yeah for the okay, cinema yeah. and stuff so it has that vibe and there's the their version of the al pacino uh robert de niro heat scene where uh margot robbie and okay so sure only meet they never met in real life ah. uh so it kind of has that and there's also all this thing with sheets and you're like oh can they just talk to each other like so it's quite engaging but it's just a kind of solid three cool 
Very good. Uh, we also, we're running through the films. Uh, very quickly, probably going to chat for a sec on Stan and Ollie. Or do you want to talk about Glass? I don't mind. They're the two. Uh, so Stan and Ollie. Maybe Glass first because you haven't seen it. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, just kind of 60 30 seconds. seconds. It's the third film from M. Night Shyamalan in his trilogy of superhero movies. Which we first didn't know one, what the second one was. Yeah, first one was Unbreakable in 2000. Then we had Split in 2017, which you didn't realize it was connected until Unbreakable until the very last scene. And then you were like, oh, cool. And then this year we have Mr. Glass, which is the evil character, Samuel L. Jackson, who kind of masterminds the whole kind of thing of everybody getting together, which you don't realize that's the kind of big twist in this film. It's too long. It's quite enjoyable and engaging, but it's kind of too long. There was moments where I was kind of closing my eyes because it was I caught it like at six o'clock on a Friday evening. And I was like, oh, come on. Samuel Jackson is not in it nearly enough. And he's such an amazing actor in this. When you see him, anytime he's on screen, you're like, oh, why don't you have more of this character? Because mm. he's brilliant. So too much McAvoy. Oh. Yeah. And he's Ooh. not in Split and he's only in Unbreakable for a small period of time. But yeah, it should have been more Samuel L. Jackson. There's also kind of a twist involving the female doctor character sarah paulson who plays dr ellie staple that kind of is unneeded and just taps into conspiracy nonsensey shite and you're like oh didn't need this it kind of goes a bit hardcore though at the end which i didn't uh, see coming um so there could be more films who knows okay so are you recommending it kind of if you've seen if the you're others, into the world yeah. kind of have to see it i've seen it too so i suppose i will catch up with it eventually um yeah then the last one is one with a bit of an irish link uh which i think we both kind of liked but were kind of nice about yeah, it's it. quite sad yeah so stan and ollie is the sort of story of the latter year it starts in 1937 when uh oliver hardy and stan laurel known as laurel and hardy are filming is it way out west or wild wild west or something with will smith it's a prequel to wild wild west wiki wiki wild west (laughs) and then it jumps uh 16 years to 1953 and they are kind of down on their luck nearing the end of their career maybe i don't know if they've made some bad decisions or if just the world has moved on got screwed over in that they didn't own any of their films they were that kind of hollywood system where they were just basically jobbing actors they were the s club seven of their (laughs) of their day so uh john c Riley, as we know and steve coogan are the two titular characters um but yeah it's very like it's it's about friendship it's about just it's incredible relationship yeah and how like both of them are married that's all well and good but the women are kind of only supporting characters and you know this presumably doesn't pass the bechdel test um at all good in their own right they shine when they're on when they kind of come especially the foreign yeah but anyway it's mainly it's about the two the two guys i really liked it um there's i suppose the central premise of it is that they're on this tour and they're touring around the united kingdom and it's not going very well and then this uh their manager played by rufus jones who i thought was gas crack um comes in and starts kind of booking them for these publicity things and all of a sudden it ends up ramping up their career and yeah it's just incredibly there's something very sad about it and charming and it's just something about you will yeah, you'll like it's it's hard not to watch with a bit of a smile. Ends it up in Ireland as well, then, yeah. which uh, is something I didn't really know about. But the kind of Dunleary or uh, whatever what they called at this age, Kingstown, Queens. Oh, anyway, the Dunleary connection with with Laurel and Hardy at that time. Yeah, it was one of their 50s. last performances on that tour on their way back to America. Yeah. There's a good like I find it very enjoyable. It's kind of it's an odd film in that it doesn't blow you away, but it kind of suckers you in, and you probably would watch it again on TV. 
and it'll still be probably talked about in a couple of years time whereas some of the films we're watching now you probably won't remember that they were even out yeah. this year if you see this on a, on a weekend matinee we often talk yeah. about that kind of thing i've seen it just uh, on the tv at a weekend you'd leave it on you wouldn't, you wouldn't knock it off it was on no. there on boxing day sometimes and steve coogan does a good uh, interview on the mark Marin podcast from a couple of weeks ago with the, which is worth checking out kind of okay. gives a lot of background to this very good so shite loads in the cinema if i pardon my uh, terrible language there um yep. but we're looking ahead then for the next couple of weeks obviously we've mentioned uh beale street if beale street could talk is out i think on the 8th of feb and then on a wider release on valentine's, valentine's day, day which is an interesting bit of marketing there don't bring your date to see this film on valentine's probably day. not yeah and then um uh green green book is out this weekend and then as we know that's sort of how that is but one thing that did catch my eye uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, RBG, which was fine. It was very, to us, again, this is like one of those things where we care more about American, like, judges and American judicial systems rather than what's the border in Ireland. Yeah, the border. <laughs> Who cares? Where's the Brexit? Who are the heroes? Where's the film about Helen McEntee and Simon Coveney? But anyway, uh, RBG. Did you watch the, oh, never mind. I watched it. The Brexit film? Uh, no, yeah, Four. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. I have sort of opted not to watch it, but is it fantastical enough that it's enjoyable, like even if it's not based Oh, it's very enjoyable, much. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good fun. Okay, so it's not offensive the way they're dealing with... Like, well, it, there's me, a big back, no. backlash against it. But, uh, yeah, anyway, there's a documentary sorry, uh, that you will find out in some cinemas now, and it got Oscar-nominated, or BG. It's good. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it was this fantastic character, is this fantastic character. I think she's 89, and she kind of... She's become this f- figure of, like, pop culture, liberal... Um, like this hero character and people have turned called her the notorious RPG but this what is RPG is uh, that a driving ro- rocket thing? propelled grenade okay cool yeah anyway so she's she's not in favor of those RPG yeah yeah anyway so this is uh, on the basis of sex is a film out in the 22nd of February that is and going way back to her early years when she was this, uh, you know, ball-busting, defining feminist in the 1960s, being the first kind of female person to get out of Harvard or whatever, all this kind of thing. I, I can't remember. can't remember oh, okay. the notes. Anyway, it looks grand. Is that what she does in the film? Bust balls? Yeah. Ball. Cool. She's a real ball breaker. Cool. Uh, yeah, so the one I'm looking forward to in February, which is kind of from Slim Picking, is Can, Can You, you ever, ever Forgive, forgive me? me? Which is Richard E. Grant and... Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, so Richard E. Grant Which got is a, a film. I saw the poster for it <laughs> a month ago, and I was like, "That just looks like it's a very unusual poster." And I was like, "What even is that film? Is this a mad comedy? Is she playing like, like you know, like Melissa McCarthy has a certain yeah. thing of being the lead in certain kinds of films?" And then I was like, "Oh, actually, I've heard about it. Mm. And it's getting but Oscar, it's, yeah, like Richard award E. Nom. Grant got an Oscar nod. You should, and so did she. Yeah. yeah, you should look at his Twitter page. Uh, it's quite funny. He's very chuffed." And it's also a bit sad because you're like, God, this means a lot to you. Um, but yeah, he might be an outside bet. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so um, that's out on the is it out this I weekend. Is first it Feb- yeah, this Feb- weekend. So, uh, so you've got it or Green Book. Um, we've only seen one of them, so we can't really know what to do. And yeah. we'll be back in a couple of weeks. You're going to America. We uh, get all the inside goss and the Oscars. And then yeah. I'll come back and we'll do the Oscar podcast. Yeah. So will we take a little tiny clip to annoy people from... Driving Miss Daisy because this is kind of the film that yeah. that has drawn so much comparison. We'll just take 30 seconds from it to Green Book and offended so many. And uh, yeah. Here we go. So this beat Spike. Yeah, do the right thing, Spike Lee. Yeah, back in 1989. So 
who knows? Yeah. <laughs> History could be repeated. Cool. Anyway, bye now. Stay woke. Something wrong back there, Miss Daisy? No. Something I done? No. Yes. Miss Daisy, I ain't done nothing. You had the car parked right in front of the front door of the temple like I was the Queen of Romania. Everybody saw you. Didn't I tell you to wait for me in the back? Well, yes, but I just trying to... Well, there's two other chauffeurs right behind me there. You made me look like a fool. A G.D. fool. Oh, Miss Daisy. Lord knows you ain't no fool. Slow down. Miriam and Beulah and them, I could see what they were thinking when we came out of services. What's that? But I was trying to pretend I was rich. Well, you is rich, Miss Daisy. No, I'm not. And nobody can say I put on airs. On Forsyth Street, we made many a meal off of grits and gravy. I've done without plenty of times, I can tell you. Miss Daisy, if I was to ever get my hands on what you got, shoot, I'd be shaking it around for everybody in the world to see. That's vulgar. Don't talk to me. Never gonna understand somewhere. What? What was that? I heard that. Now, Miss Daisy, you needs a chauffeur. Lord knows I needs a job. So why don't we just leave it like that? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.